The Mayo Clinic has suggested that sitting for three hours at a time is the equivalent effect on your body as a pack of cigarettes. Let that sink in for a second, friends, because most of us would say, oh, smoking, no, I would never do that, it's bad. But we wouldn't think twice about sitting at our jobs all day in front of a computer, right? Or sitting on the couch all day Saturday, oh, I need a break, I've earned it, right? And you know what? Rest is good. God built rest into the rhythm of our lives. So I'm not talking bad about rest, but there is a time for rest and there is a time for movement. And most of us probably have erred on the side of sitting and not on the side of moving. We need to get up, friends, and we need to get moving. Now, it's interesting that you don't find very much out there in terms of a, a Christian resource on physical fitness. There's a few, but not a lot. So if you go looking for stuff on prayer or on disciple making or on financial stewardship, you'll find all kinds of things. But if you go looking for a Christian resource on physical fitness, it's just not very much out there. And I asked myself the question this week, why is that? Why is it that there's so few resources? And I think the answer is because we forgot this is a spiritual thing. We forgot that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We forgot that our bodies are God's creation. And when God created us, he called us very good, very good. And so we're talking about something that is not only material but also spiritual, friends. And the results of our neglect of these things are obvious and they are unacceptable. Uh, the disciples of Jesus, we are just as unhealthy as everyone else, right? I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could come in here and have a party because we were doing so well, and we could preach to the world because they were doing so poorly, but we're doing just as bad as everybody else, you know? I'm just as overweight as the next person. I need to lose a few LBs uh, in the next year or so, so that 15, 20 pounds, that's my goal somewhere in there. Um, we, we know gluttony is a sin. Right? We know laziness is not okay with God. I mean, I, I think we know instinctively that when our lives do not include some kind of physical fitness, they get out of balance, right? And yet we have a hard time making it happen, don't we? I don't know about you, but I say, God, my calendar's full. Okay, that means I got to get up earlier, or it means I got to sacrifice something else that I enjoy doing to make it a priority because it doesn't just happen. Rarely does it just happen. I have to be intentional, I have to make it happen, put it on the calendar. Um, and, and put it in there because it just doesn't come easy all the time. If you missed last week, by the way, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to last week's sermon that was called A Theology of the Body, and we introduced this idea that our bodies are, are spiritual and that body and soul are very much connected in God's way of ordering the world. So if you didn't get it to listen to that yet, please do. Um, with this in mind, I want to go to the good book. Let's open the scripture and let's talk about solutions. And one of the things I'm grateful for today is that God has included a good word in the Bible, not only for our souls, but also for our bodies, because God cares about our bodies. So let's start with 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. This is the one verse we used, one of the verses we used last year, uh, last week, excuse me. And it says, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Friends, healthy living matters because the most high God has chosen to live inside of your body, inside of your life. You ever think about how we care for bodies, right? This is why we pray for people when they get sick. This is why we feed people when they get hungry. This is why we give a cold drink to someone who is thirsty. This is why we hold our children when they're crying because they fell down and scraped their knee. Because we care about bodies because God cares about bodies. And God cares enough about bodies to come and to live inside of us. I mean, if you don't take anything else away from this series, I hope you'll remember that your body is a dwelling place for the Most High God. 
that should leave us in a sense of awe and wonder that God would want to come this close. So God's designed our bodies to be conduits, to be vessels through which we can receive this grace and then t- turn and share it with other people. Okay, let's look with, uh, at 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You know what I've noticed? Even non-believers would agree that physical fitness is important, right? People who who don't believe in Jesus at all, they'll agree with us that physical fitness matters. And then what the Bible does in, in 1 Timothy, take it one step further and say, you know what? Physical training has some value, yes, but godliness has even more value. Spiritual training has ultimate value. And what I want you to take away from this verse is over and over again, the Bible puts our physical health in the context of our spiritual health. Over and over again, the Bible is saying to to us, look, people, get it. You are not body and soul separate. You are body and soul together. And both matter and both matter to God. And not only that, material things have spiritual implications. Did you know that? Our material bodies have spiritual implications. And we can use our bodies to reject God's love and law for us, or we can use our bodies to accept and live in God's love and law for us. We have that choice to make every day. So the Apostle Paul hit on this idea in his letter to the church at Corinth. And I want to go through the ninth chapter of um, uh, his letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians. And I want to unpack his argument a little bit. He is making a case for the life of faith uh, based on an athletic metaphor. And if you're not into sports today, you know, just please forgive us and try to stick with us. But, but uh, Paul's using a sports metaphor. And so it sounds like this. Do you not know that in a race, the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? And so run in such a way that you may win it. Now, the disciples of Jesus who lived in Corinth, they would have been familiar with the Olympic-style games of the Greco-Roman world. And so Paul is taking a track and field metaphor, and he's applying it to the life of faith in Jesus. So he continues, verse 25. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. Okay, athletes exercise self-control in what? All things. Say it together. Ready? All things. Right. So how good would an athlete do if he or she said, well, I'll exercise, but I'm not really going to worry about my diet. I'll just stick to McDonald's cheeseburgers all the time. You're not going to do that well, right? Or you say, well, I might have a good diet, but I'm not going to do any mental preparation for, for the contest. You're not going to do very well. Paul says, athletes exercise self-control in all things. You can't just pick and choose. It can't just be one or the other. You see, Paul views life and faith the same way, as an integrated whole. There's no such thing as compartmentalization. You can't say, I'll only worry about the soul and and not worry about the body. No. Paul says you have to be concerned with all of these things. All of these things are put in service to the gospel of Jesus, not only our souls, but also our bodies. How many of you know that what we eat is a witness to people? How we dress is a witness to people. The things that we say with our mouths can either encourage people or discourage people. 
right? So our bodies can either be in service to the gospel or not. But Paul says, look, we exercise self-control in all these things. All of these things matter. Now, here's the difference. That's the same. We have, we have the same with athletics and athletes. Discipleship and athleticism, self-control in all things. Now, Paul makes a departure. He says, now, this is different. Athletes pursue a perishable prize. So you remember that, that like, uh, wreath of olive leaves that they, the athletes would wear around their neck or around their head? Uh, he's saying that's, that's what they go after. So, you know, some people go to the gym and they work out because they want to feel good, right? Or maybe they want to uh, rehab a, 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 an injury or, or uh, recover from some surgery. Or maybe they want to look better. And those are all good and fine things. But, friends, if that is the only reason that we go to the gym, then we are pursuing a perishable prize, right? Because, newsflash, friends, at the end of our lives, no matter how fit or unfit you are, we are all going to die. You know that, right? There is no getting out of this life alive. And you're saying, gee whiz, I'm so glad I came to church to hear that today. Thanks for the uplifting message, Pastor. But I'm here to tell you the truth, friends. The truth is we're all going to die. And so if we only work out for workout's sake, and if we only work out to feel better or look better, then we are pursuing a perishable prize. But, but, here's the alternative. What if instead we work out and become physically fit in service to the gospel so that God can better use our bodies and our lives to accomplish his purposes? Because you see, friends, God's purposes are eternal. They are from everlasting to everlasting. And it's really simple. A well-trained athlete is going to do better than a poorly trained athlete, right? And a well-trained disciple of Jesus is going to produce more fruit than a poorly trained disciple of Jesus. And you say, oh, well, that's kind of harsh. You know, doesn't God love everyone? Yes. Everyone is equally loved by God. But here's the catch, my friends. Not everyone is equally strategic for God. Not everyone is equally strategic for God. And here's the reason. Because some people serve themselves and some people serve Jesus. Now, which person's life do you think God can do more with? The one who serves Jesus, right? The one who says, okay, I'm not going to worry about what I want. Let me serve Jesus. Let him be the master of my life. Let him be the Lord of my life. I'll live the way he wants me to live. And so God loves everyone, absolutely. But not all lives are equally strategic for God's purposes. And we have a part to play in whether God can use us to the fullest or not. Next verse, verse 26. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air. We have a purpose. We do not run aimlessly. We don't just punch like a boxer swinging at the air. We have a goal, and it is something greater than just what we can see and hear and touch and taste. And so look at the next verse, verse 27. Paul says, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Okay, so Paul, again, sticking with the athletic metaphor, he's saying a word of encouragement here. He's saying, look, after you've helped everybody else run their race, don't forget you to run your race. Make sure that after you've gone to these great lengths to share the gospel and to, to be the love of God for other people, make sure you don't neglect to receive it for yourself and to have your own life transformed. Therefore, he says, I punish my body and enslave it. Now, that's, that's pretty strong language, but I think what Paul's after is uh, the question, do our bodies serve us or do we serve our bodies? 
right? Because the temptation is for us to serve our bodies, right? And we've all been there where, oh, I'm, I'm hungry, so I'll feed my stomach. Or my legs are a little tired, so I'm just going to sit down. Or I've got criticisms like spinning around in my head about this person who I can't stand. I'll just, blah, I'll just say it out loud, right? And, and we, have, we, we pursue these pleasures of the flesh, Rather than submitting our body to our will and to God's will and saying, let my body serve me instead of the other way around. And so, friends, this is the question we have to ask yourselves when you say, am I going to hit snooze or am I going to get up and go work out and walk around the neighborhood or get on the bike or go swim or whatever it is, right? Am I going to serve my body or is my body going to serve me? If I had to give one word to Paul's teaching here in the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians, the word I would give is discipline. Discipline. Now, I know that's not a popular word, and we don't love it, but think about who we are as followers of Jesus. What's the name that we give to the followers of Jesus? Disciple. Have you ever noticed how close the word disciple and the word discipline are? Okay. The character of a life of a disciple is discipline. We are disciplined. We have self-control. We remember that our goal is something greater than just this life. We allow our lives to be ordered, not just by our own preferences, but by God's word and God's will for us in who we are becoming together as the people of God. And so, friends, the word of the day is discipline. Now, let's talk a little bit about the how. How can we get physically fit? What does this look like? Well, the, the options for exercise are virtually limitless. You know this, right? Running and, and biking and swimming and yoga and ballet and gymnastics and racquetball and hiking and uh, rowing and soccer. And the list goes on and on. You could, you could add your favorite. I'm proud to say, actually, right here at Timberlake, there are options for exercise through the week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have a seniors exercise class that meets in the Family Life Center. We have a Tuesday evening volleyball game. There's a Thursday evening basketball game. All of these are ways that we are building our physical fitness. Um, out of all these, out of all the exercises you can imagine, I wonder, what would you say is the best one? The best one to, to lose weight, to improve cardiovascular fitness, um, to improve mood and, and your sleep and all these things. Which of these do you think is the best? Ah, Dr. Vince E. Terre, everybody. He said, the one that you will do. And that's exactly right. The best exercise is the one that you will do. So forget what the experts say for a second. Don't worry that you can't lift as much or bench as much as the person sitting next to you. Just find something you enjoy and go do it. Because honestly, friends, that is the biggest factor of whether you will stay with it or not, is do you find it fulfilling? Is it accessible for you? Do you enjoy it? So find something you enjoy and go do it. Now, you can have any plan that works for you. If you've already got a fitness plan, then you can ignore the next two minutes of what I'm about to say. If you don't have a plan, here's what I want to offer to you. It starts with a commitment to Jesus Christ. Dedicate yourself to follow Jesus Christ. With him, all things are possible, and he's not only interested in saving our souls, he's also interested in transforming our lives. And so if you want your life to be different, it, trust me, this is not petty. God is glad to hear from you about this because God cares about your body. Friends, we've gone to great lengths to demonstrate that, I hope. So first, start with a commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The second is you need to have a partner. Ask someone to walk with you on this journey, an accountability partner 
to whom you can be accountable for this, who will ask you, how's it going with your fitness goals? Did you work out today? Hey, let's go to the gym together. Let's go to the Y together. This is the perfect kind of thing to share in your life group. So bring it up in your life groups this week and say, hey, let's talk about how's it going with our physical fitness. And the third piece is set goals for new habits. I don't know about you, but when I have a fitness goal, I am much more likely to work out. When I, back in the day when I did a couple triathlons and I said, oh man, in August, I'm going to have to swim and then bike and then run and hopefully not embarrass myself, then I was, I was running and biking and swimming every day, six days a week at least. So when you have a goal, you are much more likely to do it. So set a goal for yourself. Here's a couple goals I have for us. The first is just to get moving more, to, to, to walk around, to move, to get up out of our seats, whether it's at work or at home or wherever that is, to move more. Secondly, related to that, to have exercise, cardiovascular exercise, at least three times a week for 20 or 30 minutes or more at a time. And this is the part where I put in the disclaimer. It says, please consult with your physician. Okay, so please don't go and kill yourself and then blame it on me. Uh, do what you can do reasonably for your fitness level, but understand that um, just you know going out to get the newspaper is good. You get steps or walk, chasing the kids around the house, that's good. But that's not the same as cardiovascular exercise, all right? You got to get your heart rate up. You got to have some aerobic activity. You got to sweat a little bit. And, and when you do that, and when you do that for a sustained period of time, 30 minutes or more, three times a week, you will start to see results. I promise you will. Now, last week, we introduced the Timberlake Walking Challenge, and the idea is that we would encourage each other to count our steps. I don't know about you, but when I discovered that app on my iPhone and went and actually looked at how many steps I was taking, I was embarrassed because it was like 2,000 or 3,000 steps, and the average person walks even more than that, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm below average, so that's not good. So I'm a competitive person, right? So that helps me to get motivated to get going. So we want you every Sunday for now and the next three Sundays to record your steps, either on that connection card or on the website, and we are going to collectively see uh, how far we can walk together. Now, how many steps should we be taking? That's the question some people have asked. Well, the average American takes about 5,000 steps a day. The average Amish person in America takes about 16,000 steps a day. Okay, so you can see what cars, automobiles have done. They have made us more sedentary. We drive places instead of walking. Uh, health experts these days tend to recommend 10,000 steps a day. Okay, so for most of us, that means we need to be walking about twice as much as what we have been walking. I'm not going to prescribe this for you, though. You set your own fitness goals, and it helps to have a baseline to know where you have been. And some of you said, well, I don't have a smartphone. I don't have a pedometer. That's okay. You don't have to count steps, but set yourself a baseline fitness. What are you able to do now? Set yourself a goal. In a month, I'm going to be able to do this. In three months, I'll be able to do this and, and figure that out that way. And so if you don't, maybe you don't walk, maybe you swim or maybe you bike or do other things, that's fine too. Uh, but this is just one way for us to kind of measure this together. Um, so a collective goal for us, uh, you know, last week we started our mission to Puerto Rico. And, um, if you could walk to Puerto Rico, that would take you about uh, 3000 miles to get there and to get back. We've got a map to show you. Um, now I know that you're going to say to me, uh, pastor, you know, we can't walk across the Atlantic ocean. Um, <laughs> you know, with God, all things are possible and Jesus walked on water. So, Hey, you never know. Um, we'll have to use our imaginations, right? Um, but I wonder if collectively as a church, how many times we could walk 
to Puerto Rico and back. Um, I did the math this week. I forget. It's like if 80 of us did 10,000 steps a day for the whole week, uh, we could make that journey there and back. So let's see how many times we can do that each week to Puerto Rico and back. And if you enter your steps, then we'll, we'll tabulate that and, and collect it together. Now, each week during this series, I want to introduce you to someone in our community who is doing these things, who is living out uh, these fitness uh, routines in a way that is life-giving and encouraging and an example to us. And the person I want to introduce you to this morning is my friend Jeff Doss. Some of you know Jeff. Uh, Jeff is a child of this church and of this community, and he is the owner and operator of Grand Slam Martial Arts in Rustburg, and he happens to be my son's karate teacher and an excellent instructor, and Jeff has come to share uh, something with us um, and, and to have a little conversation. So Jeff, we're glad you're here. Take it away. Yeah, let's hear it for Jeff Doss. Jeff, thank you so much. Friends, um, you may not realize Jeff is a world champion, and so it's really pretty incredible that we have him as a resource a person in our community um, to share these things with us and to remind us of, of what is possible. That's, that's pretty awesome. I know I couldn't do that. I would, uh, you know, pull some muscles uh, doing that. So that is so cool. Um, so I want to talk with you, Jeff, just a moment about uh, your, your fitness routines and, and how that makes a difference in your faith. Um, so you're, you're not like a big football player, weightlifter type. You're, you're a smaller type guy, and yet a martial arts seems like a good, good fit for you. So talk to us about how martial arts is part of how you stay fit. Yes, sir. Um, I started martial arts when I was four years old, and I'm about the same size I was then. <laughs> uh, I'm a short person. Uh, martial arts is very key with helping people of all ages, heights, sizes, whatever, and to push you to, you know, conquer goals and push through all that. And so that's what martial arts done with me, with, you know, helping my flexibility, my balance, uh, overall endurance. And uh, so it's exciting. That's awesome. Now, um, in, in spite of being maybe six inches taller than you, um, I would never get in a fight with you ever, <laughs> ever, because I'm not a fool. But... <laughs> But if you were to say, like, to say, kick someone who's my size, what, what, would, what would that look like? Oh, yeah, nice. All right, Jeff Doss. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we're on the same team. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so martial arts has some roots in Eastern religion, but you're a follower of Jesus. So talk to us about how you see Christian discipleship, your, your discipleship being lived out in martial arts. Yes, sir. Uh, so martial arts... You know, comes from Eastern religions and things and has that tie-in with it. Uh, different things like traditions, like, you know, not wearing shoes and things like that, bowing before you go to the dojo. And we do those things to show respect as part of the tradition. Um, but as far as, like, meditation things, that's your time to talk with God, and that's where I really push that. Um, you know, this is the way that, that uh, Jesus, God, has put me here to help others and to help myself, too, and, and to be the best that I can be and teach them the discipline that we've talked about. And uh, that's, that's what I focus on is that and, and how God uses this, this martial arts uh, talent to help others. So. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So in Paul's letter, the word that I, I took out of that is discipline. And I know that discipline is a really important part of what you teach the children and adults at your studio. Talk to us about the role of discipline in the Christian life and in what you're trying to do to teach these kids. Yes, sir. Uh, so we teach at Grand Summer Martial Arts something called the three Ds. The first one is discipline. The second one is determination. And the third one is development. So it all, and it's... Those three are in that order on purpose. Uh, you have to start with that discipline. Uh, you cannot create a goal or have a goal or even focus on a goal without discipline. Because that's what gets you there to say, hey, I have to do this. I need to do this. I'm going to focus on this. And that starts, you know, with your faith in God. Uh, realizing that he can do this if you work with him. Uh, the second part is determination. Uh, you're going to get knocked down, okay? reason why we fall is so we can get back up, okay? So we all got to remember that. And determination is going to push you when you're trying to go for those goals. And it involves a lot of prayer and a lot of time and a lot of patience. And once we get those goals, then we have reached development. And all that means is that we've grown and we've become a better person. And that's the whole goal of martial arts, and that's what I want to teach people at Grand Slam is to be the best you you can be. And just always remember that and, and thank God for that. So. All right. Thank you so much, sure. Jeff Doss. Appreciate thank it. You. I'm grateful to Jeff and, and all the people who come through to share their testimony and witness in lots of different ways at Timberlake. Uh, friends, let me leave you with this. Um, we know the benefits of physical fitness. We know that it, it helps us to feel better and look better. Our sleep is better. Our energy is higher. Uh, we know all those things, but I want to remind you that this is a spiritual thing that we are talking about because we're not only building bodies, we are building lives. And I, I want to go out on a limb and suggest something to you, that when we get our bodies into shape and when we nurture and care for other people's bodies, we are participating in God's salvation for the world. And what I mean by that is this. Somewhere along the line, we may have heard that salvation means our, our souls escaping our broken bodies and going out of here into heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is salvation means healing. Salvation means wholeness. Salvation means God restoring the goodness of creation and putting us back into right relationship with God and with ourselves and with each other. And so if sin is a sickness, and we know that it is, then God's salvation is healing our bodies and making us whole again. And so we have this incredible opportunity to participate with God so that we can be whole again and we can receive this transforming grace that God would pour into our lives, not only in our souls, but also in our bodies. Friends, that's the good news for today. Let God's people say amen. Let's pray. Mighty God, we give you thanks that you have made us and you have made us in your image to love and to be loved. And we thank you, God, that you've given us these bodies that we can now use to glorify you, to praise and worship you, to uh, enjoy life, to hear the laughter of children, to hug friends, and to have conversation with loved ones. God, we thank you that you have allowed us to use our bodies to bless others. And so we can feed the hungry and minister to the sick. We can hold the dying and give a drink to those who are thirsty and visit those who are in prison all because you've given us these bodies. And so, God, help us to be good stewards of them. Help us to take good care of our bodies for your sake and for the sake of your gospel. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.